بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیڈیز اینڈ جینٹلمین السلام علیکم اینڈ ویلکم ٹو ایپیزوڈ ایٹ آف دا پاکستان جیو اسٹریٹجک ریویو ود یور ہوسٹ زکی خالد ان راول پنڈی اٹس بین کوائٹ اے وائل آئی تھنک مور دین اے منتھ دیٹ آئی اپلوڈیڈ انادر ایپیزوڈ فار دس پوڈ کاسٹ فیو آف یو آر ونڈرنگ ویئر آئی واز آئی واز بیزی ان سم ارینجمنٹس فار سیلف کوارنٹین اینڈ آئسولیشن ڈیورنگ دی آفٹر دی آؤٹ بریک آف دا کرونا وائرس پینڈیمک اینڈ دیر ہیو بین اے لاٹ آف ادر کمٹمنٹس ان دس ریگارڈ بیکاز آف وچ آئی واز فرینکلی ان ایبل ٹو فائنڈ دا ٹائم ٹو کنڈکٹ ریسرچ اینڈ سلیکٹ ایشوز ان وچ I wanted to talk on. I have been uh, continuing to write for my friends at the Center for Strategic and Contemporary Research in Islamabad and uh, some other publications. And I have been active on Twitter, but uh, the podcast element was missing. And I believe that um, it would have been unfair if I just uh, let this project uh, gather dust. Um, it was a brainchild which I conceived at the end of last year and uh, I uh, really hope to keep this going. I have received a lot of encouraging comments from many of my listeners and uh, uh, frankly um, it's not about uh, how much audience I have and whether or not people actually subscribe to uh, the perspective I share. Um, I think that there are some issues which are missed out um, in mainstream uh, media reporting or within uh, uh, academic circles and think tanks uh, and uh, I thus feel the need that uh, we need to elaborate on those properly and hence uh, this is where my podcast comes in. Uh, once again I reiterate for those who may have uh, joined me as a first time listener Uh, this podcast uh, does not provide a news roundup. Uh, you will have to um, tune to some other podcasts or uh, websites or some um, uh, other online forums for that. I, I don't provide news. I just basically uh, pick up uh, specific issues which I find to have been missed by those in Pakistan and uh, provide a unique Pakistani perspective on that. Um, just another disclaimer that uh, this is an individual and personal perspective and they do not reflect uh, any sort of uh, official thinking going on in Pakistan because um, I frankly have nothing to do with uh, such people or um, don't necessarily subscribe to the views they may or may not have. So without further ado, I have um, selected uh, three particular uh, issues for this podcast and uh, I tried my best not to include coverage of uh, COVID-19 and the reason being is that there is a barrage of information regarding that. Um, I'm, I don't want to add to the volume unnecessarily. I am not... Uh, in a position to comment on or provide perspectives on issues regarding health but from a security standpoint I recently uh, published 
and uh, uh, an article which is called the post uh, post covid 19 uh, operational in environment it uh, is basically uh, my understanding of how the near and the long term future will be after this uh, the world is able to contain this pandemic you can uh, access that on the cscr website or you can check out my uh, twitter feed for that so anyhow <clears throat> beginning with the first issue which is america's indo-pacific deterrence initiative against china this was a very detailed piece in defense news and uh, it mentions a lot of details about uh, how uh, US grand strategy in the Indo-Pacific uh, region of operations continues to focus on China despite the fact that um, many of the ongoing planned military programs etc have been disrupted and severely because of covid and a major portion of funds and uh, operational considerations have been diverted toward humanitarian assistance and uh, disease control initiatives um, it has been reported that the u.s indo-pacific command chief admiral phil davidson submitted a wish list uh, in the form of a report to Congress uh, to secure resources in deterring China. Now, this the total budget is which uh, he seeks is uh, approximately 20 billion dollars. Uh, it includes details about planned force structures, regional security cooperation, and infrastructural investments. So, this is broadly the three focus areas of the budgeting requirements. And it's worth mentioning that Congress solicited this report directly from Davidson instead of adopting the proper channel, which is through the Department of Defense. Some of the ideas, some of the ones which I consider to be very uh, interesting include a $1.6 billion defensive ring, so-called defensive ring around Guam, involving a 360-degree integrated air defense capability millions in military funding for partner nations and almost a billion dollars for additional stockpiles of long-range weapons now just to give you some context for those who might not be familiar with the geographical position of guam it's situated to the east of the philippines and uh, from the northwest it overlooks taiwan and it's basically to the west of uh, america's western seaboard so it's uh, in the from America's perspective it's um, somewhere in the Western Pacific and the important uh, part is that uh, Guam has been a base which uh, provides US military with the uh, logistical uh, facility to conduct uh, any sort of maritime or air operations against the so-called anti-access area denial capabilities which they perceive are used for hegemony by the PLA Navy and uh, uh, many uh, analysts believe that uh, the report submitted by Davidson could serve as a specific variant of the already existing European deterrence initiative uh, which is focused against Russia so this uh, 
so called pacific deterrence initiative which is uh, now uh, actually known as and so called indo pacific reassurance initiative is uh, planned to be focused on china and countering what uh, washington believes is beijing's ambition to expand its clout in the region um the plan appears to be gaining gaining traction because um, a lot of uh, republican and a few selected democratic senators basically both uh, houses they're interested in uh, trying to focus more on the indo-pacific region republican adam smith of uh, who is the chairman of the house armed services committee he stated his desire to i quote identify funding for an indo-pacific reassurance initiative in the national defense authorization act for fiscal year 2021 unquote and so there you have it it's basically um they're calling it a reassurance initiative and uh, whereas uh, if we look at what davidson himself has to say he calls it uh, his he calls this strategy part of i quote regaining the advantage unquote so there so it's very clear that as far as uh, us uh, strategic thinking in indo pacific is concerned first of all they acknowledge that in their view they have lost the advantage in the region and for them interestingly not russia or any other player but china is the sole concern in the indo pacific whereas um, maybe if a few months ago you would have talked to certain analysts they would have said that not only china but also russia could pose long term uh, consequences and security implications for american interests in the pacific region but clearly um the us only foresees china as a long term threat in the region not russia it is more concerned with russia and it believes that russia will pose um some hurdles in the european theater of operations the black sea and all those other regions so um this is focused specifically on china it's an uh, it's clearly an anti china geostrategic uh, initiative the so called indo pacific reassurance initiative and um, there is also a section which uh, details efforts to strengthen alliances and partners now obviously from pakistan's perspective <clears throat> when you're talking about um partners in the region then uh, india is not just uh, an ally it's a partner and it's an operational partner you have the logistics and communication agreements for interoperability and uh, secure communications between american and indian military forces uh, which have become of uh, which have active been activated and uh, you have uh, growing assertiveness by the indian navy in the region and particularly cooperation in the indian western indian ocean region so uh, obviously whatever efforts take place in this context will involve india uh, whether it is in the short run or in the long term so this is where pakistan will need to consider the fact that um, any efforts to boost the capabilities of partners will eventually Uh, help india to further boost its own conventional war fighting capabilities which 
obviously as a consequence would prompt Pakistan to for better or worse increase its own uh, deterrence mechanism through the non-conventional uh, paradigm and uh, <clears throat> the and, uh, report submitted by Davidson when we talk about strengthening allies and partners it has two particular focus areas one is the um, setup of a mission partner environment which is basically a framework uh, uh, on cloud-based technologies and secure communications for assured uh, command control and communications C3 uh, to cooperate with the allies and partners in the region so basically a mission partner environment a whole of theater uh, liaison approach and the creation of three fusion centers to work with allies now uh, the, uh, there is mention of one counter-terrorism cell which is being established in Singapore now where the, are the two other fusion centers it remains unknown uh, one could speculate that it is in India but we still don't know that here there are no details available I try to uh, lo look them up uh, but the possibility cannot be ruled out now if you have a fusion center which is uh, providing input to the US Indo-Pacific Command um, in the short run then obviously this uh, has a lot of uh, um, intelligence consequences for um, Pakistan and other nations in the region and uh, definitely it uh, gives these countries and especially the US Indo-Pacific Command with a, a varied um, intelligence edge over uh, the PLA Navy and uh, the one of the other which is uh, you can say an added component of that report is a request to restart counter propaganda tools now this is uh, interesting because in Davidson's uh, strategy the uh, to what he calls regain the advantage they don't just need a strong intelligence and an assured deterrent but they also need to uh, gain the uh, informational edge and uh, why they have called it uh, counter propaganda is interesting because they believe that uh, if you have been following American strategists since long in China watchers they believe that China is has so far been able to to a certain degree uh, legitimize or um, justify its assertiveness in South China Sea and elsewhere because of trying to twist news and giving it a sense of uh, that they're trying to defend themselves or their territory and um, um, this is where they feel that uh, America needs not only to improve its military warfighting capability but also its ability con to control the informational environment and uh, basically uh, dominance of the narrative so that whatever efforts which the US Indo-Pacific Command and all its allies and partners may or may not do in the future they'll have to um, at the same time activate assets which would uh, counter efforts to discredit or delegitimize their campaigns so this is something which uh, comes under this whole context of the so-called Indo-Pacific Reassurance Initiative against China
coming to the next news is uh, basically covid 19 and the indian military's regional medical diplomacy now um, before the outbreak of uh, coronavirus there you, uh, you uh, mentioned in one of my podcasts the previous episodes about uh, the indian military trying to provide uh, humanitarian assistance and disaster relief uh, assistance to countries such as madagascar uh, which is in africa and uh, maldives etc uh, during their natural disasters and other incidents and uh, the uh, indian navy in particular uh, has been very influential in trying to boost the soft power image of the indian armed forces in this context uh, the indian ministry of defense recently released information that uh, the indian armed forces like armed forces in pakistan and elsewhere are on standby 24/7 to provide medical and logistic support against coronavirus and this is not unusual um, 28 fixed wing aircraft which include an32s c17s doniers and c130j super hercules including 21 helicopters are on standby across the country Uh, these are the official statistics revealed by the indian ministry of defense so as of yet when we talk about uh, i'm not going to mention the efforts which india did to evacuate its uh, citizens abroad uh, that is not part of their military diplomacy but i am going to discuss, uh, mention those specific pieces of information about the efforts the outreach by india to provide supplies or assistance to other uh, citizens of other countries So as of yet um 1C17 Globe Master 3 delivered 15 tons of medical supplies to China 1C130J Super Hercules aircraft delivered 6.2 tons of medicines to Maldives including an army medical core team for capacity building measures So you have one effort in China in the north and one effort in Maldives the island nation in the south Also six Indian navy ships have been allocated to aid neighboring countries as and when requested so the indian navy again is being made the preferred arm for boosting the soft power image of india amidst the corona pandemic for for outreach to naval countries and apart from these uh, military assets you have five indian medical teams that are on standby for deployment to the maldives sri lanka bangladesh nepal bhutan and afghanistan so essentially you have sark countries which uh, can avail of indian medical assistance uh, in the form of supplies or uh, exp- uh, subject matter expertise through medical specialists as and when required and clearly pakistan does not come into the equation at all for obvious reasons and also the fact that uh, in parallel you have if we've seen news a few weeks ago that uh, prime minister narendra modi of india he tried to charm the world and especially his neighborhood by trying to uh, propose that sark set up an emergency fund for corona virus and uh, pakistan made a very rightful mention that uh, the control of that fund should not rest with new delhi but the sark secretariat which is currently being led by a sri lankan diplomat and this is where uh, some have started to eventually realize pakistan's rationale and legitimate uh, reasons for not contributing to that fund as of yet so even if that takes place or not the indian armed forces on their end in parallel are being propped up to boost their medical diplomacy in the region and it's um, 
interesting that uh, India did send uh, a plane to evacuate its citizens from Iran, but um, uh, the, the medical teams are not, uh, the India's medical teams have not been allowed to visit countries like Iran also. I mean, the countries specifically mentioned Maldives, Sri Lanka, uh, they come in the Indian Ocean. Bangladesh and Nepal are some of India's less influential neighbors to its east, which it can easily control through arm twisting Bhutan and Afghanistan for obvious reasons. So uh, this is where India would like to, you know, take its uh, use, its potential, its uh, ma its uh, human resources, expertise and supplies to try and uh, win hearts and minds uh, during the pandemic. But uh, there is something which needs to be mentioned in parallel. Uh, many Indian commentators in the politics arena have been critical of the Indian government's uh, efforts to focus on pandemic uh, relief for people based outside of India. Many analysts and commentators have criticized Narendra Modi saying that the, his own country needs these supplies the most and yet he is trying to build up his image overseas. But uh, whether or not one may agree with it, the fact is that um, this goes to show that uh, India is not just focused on trying to retain or further build up its political capital within the country in, this, in these testing circumstances, but also it does realize the crucial importance of trying to boost its uh, soft power image through medical diplomacy. And this is where um, it's trying to do make as many efforts as possible if you've seen the recent meetings around um, covid coordination they are being led by india's defense minister rajnath singh as compared compared to the home minister amit shah this also speaks for itself that basically the armed forces are taking the lead and they've been given the charge and uh, ultimately this is what will serve as uh, an attractive option for partnering with uh, us indo-pacific command in the times to come Coming to the third and last issue for this episode of the PGR podcast, um, U.S. Navy Central Command, uh, U.S. NAVCENT, which is headquartered in Bahrain, it revealed that it had conducted joint naval and air integration operations with U.S. Army Central Command, U.S. ARCENT, um, and its assets, particularly the AH-64E Apache Guardian helicopters, which are assigned to Arsent Task Force Sabre. Just to give you some context, we all know that uh, Apache AH-64s are some of the finest uh, strike helicopters we have. They're conventionally used for uh, army operations, and especially in counter-terrorism and counter-insurgency operations. And to give you some context, um, the Apache Guardian helicopters, which are currently deployed with Task Force Sabre. Task Force Sabre is basically uh, a component of Army Central Command, uh, which provides um, ISR, Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance, and offensive strike capability for US and partners forces in Iraq and Syria. And uh, basically uh, what they did was, they try to test whether these Apache helicopters could be used for uh, maritime strike roles if and when required in the Middle East, especially in the Persian Gulf region. So the scenario was thus that the expeditionary landing ship USS Lewis B. Puller served as a landing base for Apaches, 
when this trial took place, whereas Cyclone-class patrol ships provided them with simulated targets. So what happened is these patrol ships, they uh, set up targets which were to be struck by the Apache helicopters from the U USS Lewis B. Puller and the guided missile destroyer USS Paul Hamilton was also part of the drills. Uh, this is not a one-off development. Just a few weeks prior, uh, the United States Air Force tested the use of Lockheed Martin AC-130W Stinger II gunship helicopters for anti-submarine warfare in conjunction with U.S. Navy Cyclone-class patrol ships, as also in Apaches, and Boeing P-8A Poseidon maritime multi-mission aircraft, which were assigned to Special Operations Central Command, Soksent. And Soxent, as we all know, has been thoroughly assisting Jordan and uh, other countries. Pakistan has also been part of several drills with uh, Soxent. And uh, this actually shows you that uh, the U.S. is not only focused on air interdiction or especially ground operations involving drones, unmanned systems or uh, missiles in the Middle East but now it has started to employ those same military assets especially air power assets to counter um, hostile activities by its uh, adversaries in the region from the maritime perspective and obviously they don't need to mention it but uh, the first thing which comes to mind is obviously Iran um, because this is where when we talk about uh, helicopters range so they are ideally suited instead of employing uh, aircraft all the time you can have helicopters to carry out strikes against uh, hostile naval actors in the Persian Gulf so they don't name it but we all already know that their primary concern is going to be Iran and or in the near future they might uh, have some issues regarding uh, non-state actors who might use uh, maritime platforms for attacks so these exercises are uh, part of efforts to support combined task force 55 it is a u.s uh, led task force cta 55 and it conducts maritime security operations in the fifth fleet of uh, responsibility now fifth fleet is obviously the one in bahrain and uh, naval central command so all of these efforts are going to be support um, uh, NAVSENT's strong arm, maritime arm in the areas which include the Persian Gulf, the Arabian Sea, the Gulf of Oman, the Red Sea and parts of the Indian Ocean. Um, if you have listened to some of my previous podcasts, uh, we all know that Pakistan is uh, a long time member of uh, NAVSENT. It, it has a liaison rep over there. We participate in drills with the 5th Fleet and uh, um, Bahrain and uh, Saudi naval forces and uh, recently um, since uh, the past year or uh, two years or so India has been trying to get uh, its uh, liaison officer posted in uh, NAVSENT and if this does take place uh, one wonders uh, whether uh, Pakistan and India will be part of some any trainings which might involve helicopters conducting maritime strikes again uh, for anti-submarine warfare uh, this is obviously uh, 
america is doing it for itself for its own naval forces for joint uh, air and uh, maritime efforts but uh, it needs to be seen whether this similar capability will be replicated for training uh, for example saudi uh, naval forces or air forces or some other uh, partners of the us which would obviously create concerns for iran and uh, aggravate the uh, situation which is already uh, going against us interests uh, in such a scenario obviously you would uh, expect the threat calculus for pakistan in its arabian sea area to be tense and to have uh, helicopters with that capability apache helicopters for uh, maritime strikes would uh, significantly alter the uh, dynamics of any conflict in the persian gulf and this would obviously necessitate iran to further build up its uh, what it would call a uh, naval defense capabilities so let's see uh, how this situation evolves this is uh, primarily um, an effort by Uh, the us to boost its maritime strike role in the persian gulf but uh, from pakistan's perspective i think you shouldn't just look at it from the context of trying to keep an eye on iran because china itself has been as i've mentioned repeatedly and i will continue to do so becoming a very important strategic actor in the western indian ocean and the indo us alliance in the in this region is specifically um focused on trying to diminish china's influence in east africa as also it's uh, what they perceive as efforts to dominate uh, commercial trade and other geo economic initiatives which pass through cpec and go through uh, the borderlands into central asia and onwards to europe so you could expect that uh, if such helicopters have anti submarine warfare capabilities this could also be a discrete signal to the um sometimes when we have uh, pla navy submarines docking uh, in pakistani waters so um, you can expect that maybe in the future um these uh, joint air maritime drills will be increased to send uh, signals to china that we are here and we are watching we are able to interdict you if and when required so Uh, as much as it will concern iran this development also directly concerns not only pakistan to a lesser extent but the pla navy to a greater extent and obviously for new delhi and especially the indian navy this is a big sigh of relief and they would certainly like to learn more about how helicopters could be used you could see in the future maybe perhaps that um, the lakshadweep um, would uh, see maybe in the future Uh, one could expect uh, uh, indian navy helicopters to conduct similar exercises with the us counterparts or themselves uh, to for um, anti submarine warfare operations so so while india has a sufficient capability for uh, maritime uh, reconnaissance and maritime interdiction capabilities through its naval aviation arms in the western uh, in its western seaboard uh or certainly napsent possessing such a capability would just uh, uh complement uh, uh, india's efforts and it would in a way um uh you know just uh, crush 
Pakistan's own space in between. So this is where we'll need to ensure that uh, not only Pakistan but especially the PLA Navy will need to ensure that it has adequate countermeasures against such initiatives. It's still uncertain how whether or not this will be implemented for uh, exercises or other activities in the long run in the nascent area of operations, the Fifth Fleet. But this is something definitely worth wa watching out for, and um, will pose uh, significant changes for the war fighting dynamics in the region. That's it for th uh, this episode of the PGR podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And if you have any feedback or suggestions, uh, please feel free to mail me at Park Geostrategic Review. Um, sorry, Pakistan Geostrategic Review at protonmail.com. And uh, one other thing is, uh, please do, um, do share the podcast with your. Uh, associates if you find that uh, the issues I'm covering are of any significance um, just li I'd like to correct the email address it's park pak geostrategic review at protonmail.com thank you very much Allah Hafiz